Hello and welcome to the Spine Talk podcast, brought to you by Texas Back Institute. For more information about Texas Back Institute, visit www.texasback.com. Hello, and I'm your host, Philip, and today I'm joined by Dr. Michael Heisey, an orthopedic spine surgeon at Texas Back Institute. Welcome, Dr. Heisey. Thanks for having me, Philip. So today's topic of the podcast is how the development of 3D printing can change the future of spine surgery. Dr. Heisey, before becoming a surgeon, you studied engineering, is that correct? That is. I uh, got my bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from California Institute of Technology. So would it be fair to say that this topic of 3D printing, technology, and spine surgery is something that's piqued your interest? Oh, it absolutely has. It's something I've been following for many years. So to give a little context for the listeners of this topic, recently a Texas-based 3D printing company has received funding to open plants in Dallas, Houston, and Austin areas. Uh, This is for additive manufacturing, the name for building 3D objects using layers of material. For a long time, this has been hampered by the inability to produce parts to similar strength, speed, and scale of injection molding parts. The company has built a machine that's both fast and precise at creating 3D printing objects, which can be used for industries such as automotive, aerospace, biomedical, oil and gas, etc. So better techniques and more durable plastic have pushed 3D printing into biomedical space. What part, if any, does 3D printing currently play in treating spine injuries and diseases? So 3D printing has actually been used in spine in, in the spine industry for many years. Uh, the first use of it was in rapid prototyping. So when a surgeon would design an implant or when a company would design an implant, they would want to make sure it would work. So they would build it out of a plastic, even though ultimately they're going to build it out of metal. They would build it out of a plastic so that they could test it, make sure it fit, make sure the parts work together. So those were never implanted in patients. Those were just used as, as uh, trial balloons, basically, to see if the, the process was viable. Uh, more recently, though, they've been 3D printing things out of metal, and so not just plastic. And once they started to be, to be able to 3D print out of, say, titanium, now they've been able to build implants with geometries that we couldn't conceive of making with either a mold or with machining. So we can make make a machine with porosity or make a, an implant with porosity and holes in the middle of it that you could never machine. So this these uh, these advancements have really opened up new, new geometries and new technologies that are already being used. The other thing that you can use 3D printing for is custom implants. So you can take a CT scan of a patient and define their specific anatomy and create an implant that's just for that patient. And that can be done very rapidly. Those, those implants can be produced in a matter of days. So lots of excitement. So this would be something that the surgeon would take the imaging, then go into a computer, design that device, before the surgery and then the day of the surgery, they would have that specific device that is specific to that individual. It's exactly, and it's being done today. So how might 3D printing be used for spine surgery in the immediate future? Uh, in addition to the custom implants for the patients, there are basically off-the-shelf implants that are being used and designed that allow uh, a greater surface area for bone to grow onto uh, and uh porosity of the implants, meaning holes in the implant that bones can grow through. Uh, we're getting to the point where we can build an implant that, that may have flexibility characteristics that better match the bone by putting struts in particular directions 
or building struts of particular widths, the implant will flex more than, say, a solid piece of bone might, you know, or a solid piece of metal might. If you take a solid piece of metal and compress it next to bone, the bone will give because the metal is too strong. Mm. But now we can match the bone to the specific patient, potentially. Uh, right now, we're creating implants that are off the shelf and basically one size fits all or one, uh, one strength fits all more than one size. But in the future, you can create different amounts of flexibility that might match the patient better and have less subsidence of the implants, less collapse of the implants into the patient's bones. So give them a better long-term result. And, and even maybe a flexible implant that, that may act like an artificial disc could be developed with 3D printing. Hmm. One of the primary benefits of 3D printing is the ability to precisely replicate another object, including joints of the vertebrae. Uh, this process is dependent on having precise measurements of the bone or joint to be replaced. How would a spine surgeon ensure the accuracy of the measurements? Well, for years we've had CT scans that we can actually get a very accurate measurement of the size of the patient. And with our CT scans, what we've been able to do, even with the ra old rapid prototyping, is create a model of the spine that we can use to look at it and kind of plan our operations. So that's one of the actually one of the uses of 3D printing that has been done for maybe 10 years. We would create a plastic model of the spine, even though uh, it doesn't uh, doesn't function and it is not an implant. It allows us to look at it and, and in 3D uh, decide exactly how we need to correct the patient's curve to allow the, the patient to get a good result. So that's that's already something that's been out there. So that, that would be using computer technology to, uh, with the imaging, and then now we have that technology to print. Is that right. Correct? Essentially, we can offload the data from the CT scanner into the 3D printer, and it can replicate what it sees in the, on the CT scanner, the bony anatomy. So we can get an exact model of the spine. Um, the CT scans give you a, a very accurate way to measure. We have uh, measuring tools in the software of the CT scanners that allow us to measure within millimeters Oh, wow. sizes of things. So I can predict going into a surgery what size screws I need, uh, what size implants I'll need already. That's something that even before 3D printing, the, the CTs made available to me. And that made surgery quicker, faster, easier for you? And potentially more efficient. So we can ask for a limited amount of implants to be delivered to the hospital rather than shipping giant trays of hundreds of implants. We might say, well, these are the only two or three sizes I might need, therefore really decreasing shipping costs. And hopefully then in the long term, decreasing costs to the patient, the insurers, the, the healthcare system. Great. So more and more computer technology, engineering, and modern medicine are overlapping. Are you seeing more people like yourself who might have an engineering or computer science background entering into the medical field? Yeah, I, I think we've seen that even over the years, but I think more and more people with scientific background are going into, well, everybody that goes into medicine generally has a scientific background, but I think the engineering people have pushed more towards orthopedics, but I think they're getting into other fields as well. They're getting into, say, cardiology with the new implants that they use in cardiology, the, the stenting systems and that sort of thing. But I think the, uh, the path of engineering to medicine is becoming more and more common. So if we could look into the future, say 10 or 20 years, uh, can you share some ways that 3D technology might impact spine surgery? Oh, I would expect in, in uh, 20 to 30 years, we will have basically maybe a 3D printer that lives in the hospital, mm -hmm. that we plan the surgery the day before, or even as the patient is coming into the room, and that implant is made while we're waiting for it, and it comes out and is sterilized and ready to go. So I, I think that the as-you-need-it, no more delivery needed uh, implant manufacturing will be happening within that time span. And the other thing that could happen even sooner than that is, say, if, we, if I'm 
uh, swinging a hammer in surgery and the hammer breaks. It's appalling to think that that might happen, but it happens. Sometimes we're pounding implants in pretty hard. The hammers get sterilized many times and sometimes they do break. Well, they could print me a new one right then. Mm. It'd be ready for me. They wouldn't have to have an extra one sitting on the shelf. They'd just have to have the plan for it in their software and they could spit it out in, in hopefully minutes. Right now that process would take hours, but it could be minutes once the technology matures. So that would mean more individualized tools based on the size of the surgery or the size of the physician that's using the tools. Oh, exactly, and, and the patient. And it may be that you manufacture them for the case and then, then they're recycled and they're, the material's then reused to 3D print something else for the next patient. Hmm. You mentioned the machine in the hospital. So could that potentially help for trauma cases that come in that you may need a specific device, but either it's not available at the time or we don't have one that's available that's the size for the patient. Could that potentially help for trauma cases or other other things outside of spine surgery? Yes, absolutely. In emergency cases or cases where there's an unusual need for an implant, like a tumor case where you might have a, a bone defect that you don't normally see, you could create an implant very quickly and rapidly. And I, I, as I said, expect the 3D printers to live in the hospitals uh, in the not too distant future. They're becoming much more common. I expect that, uh, that when people go to space, they will take, instead of a, a package of spare parts, they'll take a 3D printer and print the parts they need. Oh, that would be really interesting. Uh, so one of the things that, that, that has been the limits of, uh, of 3D printing is that the materials act a little differently when they're layered on rather than a, a block of material that's machined. It's got a different mechanical property to it, and that's, that has to do with the crystal structure. So if you talk about how the, the crystals are laid down by the, the printer, what can happen after that then is you uh, can post-process it. You can do some heat treatment of that implant, and it can realign the crystals so you can actually create a stronger implant by, by heat treating it after the, the mm. printing process. So there are modifications to it that are still being done and, and testing that it's still being done to validate that the 3D printed implants are as strong as a manufactured implant. And you talked about injection molding. Uh, that's more for the plastic parts. Injection molding for metal parts isn't really done, but you machine them. So 3D printed implants can be made to the same strength as a machined implant, and you can do that in a couple ways. One way would be to design the implant so that, that uh, potentially the struts are in particular positions that allow it to be very strong, uh, like, a, like a bridge truss design. You could put the, strut, the struts in particular positions rather than having to machine that. So you may be able to make a lighter implant that's every bit as strong. But one of the, the concerns with 3D printing is that the crystal structure of the metal is not going to be the same as a, a, in a, a molded implant or a, a molded piece of metal that is machined afterwards. And you can realign those crystals in post-manufacturing, that is, after the implant is 3D printed, you can put it into a heat treatment. And, and by heating it slow and cooling it fast or heating it fast and cooling it slow, you can realign the crystal structure without changing the geometry of the implant and therefore get the strength that very much matches uh, a machined part. Right, So we're not, and I'm glad you mentioned metal, uh, because we're not just talking about just plastics. It can also be some of the metals that we're printing with, correct? Oh, yes. So that's, that's being advanced very rapidly right now, the, the ability to print with metal. But they are printing with plastics in uh, fields other than spine, like if they're building, a, say, a scaffold for heart tissue to grow into, they might mold it out of plastic. Uh, most of the implants used in spine are metal. We do have some peak implants or plastic implants that we use, but uh, more and more they're turning to the titaniums. So you, with 3D printing, you can create geometries that you just can't machine. And some of that is uh, holes in the implant which allow bone to grow through or bone to attach to the implant. So that's something that's unique to a 3D printed implant. 
the other thing is that it, it allows uh, load sharing in a different way than a solid implant. Uh, a 3D printed implant may share the, the load better uh, than a, a machined implant. For instance, I could take a 3D printed implant and put more material on the outside of it where the bone is stronger, uh, like a bone, like a bone is basically hollow. You've got a solid uh, outer rim and a kind of a spongy middle of the bone. And you would build an implant that matches that. So the middle of the implant is spongy like the patient's bone and the outer parts of the implant are more sturdy. And you can do things like that just by drawing it on the computer and having the 3D printer print it rather than having to actually go in there with a drill and drill out bone in particular places, which is what would happen if you were to try and machine it. How would this be affected by FDA approval? Yeah, so you, uh, if you're creating custom implants, the FDA approval process is a little bit different. So each, if you're building an off-the-shelf implant, you approve a design, you approve a size range, and, and, there, and then anything within that size range is generally considered approved. Uh, if you're building a custom implant, the FDA approval process is a little bit different. You have to actually have the process validated, mm-hmm. not so much the specific implant. So right now, 3D printing for custom implants is not used much in spine unless there's a big tumor reconstruction. It's used, though, in foot and ankle very often. In fact, there's a, a company in town called 4Web that produces 3D printed implants and has for years, and they produce their custom implants primarily for the foot and ankle market. So a patient with a fracture of their calcaneus or their heel bone might have a custom implant made that can reconstruct that and give them a better foot geometry. Oh, wow. Yeah, that exists right now. They're doing it uh, right up the street in Frisco. Hmm. Oh, I'm not sure that there's going to be any long-term limits on the ability of what you can 3D print. I think our accuracy is going up. You know, now 25 microns used to be 50 microns just a year ago. The accuracy is going up. The materials that we can print with are, are evolving. It used to be that we couldn't print with uh, titanium. Now we can. So it's, it's improving very rapidly. So in the future, we've heard about flexible technologies, flexible electronics. Could these two technologies be merged or used together in the operating room in the future? Well, I see no reason that uh, 3D printing couldn't be used to create some of those uh, thermosensitive geometries. And if you did, it's possible that you could put an implant in and say a collapsed form and have it go into the position through a very small incision, and then once it reaches body temperature, expand to be of a useful geometry. I think it's there's some work to be done to make it strong enough that it might be effective, but I see no reason that couldn't be done. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, obviously years in the future, but this would be a really interesting technology to continue to watch as you have. Oh, I agree. I think this is the future of a lot of, uh, particularly orthopedic implants, but multiple implant technologies. Thank you, Dr. Heisey. I appreciate your time and the great information. For more information about Dr. Michael Heisey or other spine surgery technologies and treatments, check out our blog at texasback.com. We would love for you to connect with us. Please join us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And also please subscribe to this podcast for more stories like this. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you in the next episode of the Spine Talk Podcast.